You can't ride in my little red wagon. You can't ride in my little red wagon. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Front seat's broken and the axle's dragging. Chugga, 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 chugga. Suck it, verse, suck it, verse. A whole lot louder and a whole lot. What's up, y'all? This is Nick Bartlett. I'm a broadcast manager here at Sports Pack 12. I'm also a staff writer over at OregonSportsNews.com. And I've had over 50 articles featured in the Seattle Post-Intelliger. And this is going to be a Sports Pack 12 original, The Nick Bartlett Show. So this is going to be a run-of-the-mill sports show talking about Pac-12, hot topics of the week. And one thing I want to stress is that I'm not much different than you guys. Seriously, I work a day job. My opinion is no more valuable than yours. And I'm just grateful for your viewership, your listenership. And without further ado, let's get straight to some Pac-12 action. Thanks for tuning in. (laughs) You guys can tell me, is that a confused yell? I'm not really sure. I think that was what I was going for. Not entirely sure. Welcome back to the Nick Bartlett Show, everybody. This week, we're going to talk about the Pac-12 and just the general enjoyment of games. I'll have a guest analyst on today to break down the UCLA Bruins. And, well, the North Division has actually been decided. With the cancellation of the Washington-Oregon matchup, the Ducks are officially the North champions. So even with the losses to Oregon State and Cal, I guess what we all thought was going to happen at the beginning of the year actually happened. Well, maybe not me. I picked us. He's going to win the conference. Get out of there. Goodbye. I'll own it. So again, quick rundown on today's show. I'll kind of just talk about a general state and enjoyment of the Pac-12 games this year. We'll have a guest speaker breaking down the Bruins and his name is Sam Conan. And yeah, we know what's going down in the North. Normally my introductions may be a little bit longer, a little more flair, a little bit la 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 la. You know the drift. You've been tuning in for a while. So seriously, Pac-12 football season almost over. It's been a heck of a lot of fun, confusing, frustrating, weird, but fun all the same. With that being said, I'm going to kick it down to Los Angeles, where Sam Conan will basically be your Bruins expert for the day. I almost said Trojans. That's not a way to win the heart of UCLA fans out there. But seriously, I'm going to kick it down to LA now. Thank you for coming on the show, Sam. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, So my name's Sam Conan. I am a senior staff writer at the Daily Bruin on the football and basketball beats. I'm also a freelance contributor at Bruin Report Online and one of the hosts for Bruin Dash on Dashboards TV. So UCLA football, it's it's been an up and down season. It's been kind of a wild season. Uh, I, I think a lot of people expected improvement coming into this year, but at the same time, who knew it was going to happen? It's pandemic, shortened season, messed with the schedule. The Bruins were supposed to have their easiest non-conference slate in God knows how long. It, no Power Five opponents. Uh, it was really, it was really looking nice. Uh, hopefully, Chip Kelly could have got a a non-conference win for the first time at UCLA, but that didn't happen. Uh, then two schedule mix-ups later, there they are. They're opening at Colorado. Seems like a good win. Turns out Colorado is better than everyone thought, and UCLA starts off with a loss. Since then, though, since halftime of the Colorado game, this UCLA team has been one of the best in the conference. 
They're three and two right now. They haven't missed a game, uh, but their one loss to Colorado was by six points. Their loss to Oregon was by three points. They're an onside kick away from being beating Colorado and a 60-yard field goal away from beating Oregon. So that's not a bad season if you ask me. How did they get here? That's, it, I mean, if you hire Chip Kelly in late 2017, you don't expect your best season to be three and two. It, it's it's taken longer than people hoped, but here they are. It's a half decent season, maybe a good season, depending on how you look at it and depending on how it finishes. But this offense, it, it has gone through a lot because. Yeah, Doran Thompson Robinson, the starting quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks in the conference, missed two games because he was contact traced with COVID-19. That kind of set them back a little bit, but is also kind of a blessing in disguise. One of the issues with this team, the last two years really, with Doran Thompson Robinson at the helm, has been turnovers. Last year, he led the nation in turnovers at the quarterback position. He had almost 20 turnovers on his own, whether it was fumbles or interceptions. This year, in the first half against Colorado, UCLA turned the ball over four times. That put him in a hole they couldn't dig out. They, they cleaned things up a little bit the, the next week against Cal. But then Chase Griffin comes in. And yeah, they turned the ball over against Oregon, but the way he takes care of the ball and the way he took care of the ball the following week against Arizona really showed that UCLA needed to protect the ball to win. They are an explosive offense with Doran Thompson Robinson and with Demetric Felton and with Chip Kelly trying to run a semi-blur some of the time, but they're not talented enough to make up for turnovers when they're even when they're at their peak. So for UCLA, you want to be explosive, but you also have to cut down on turnovers. That's a hard balance. You go one and one with Dorian Thompson Robinson, then you go one and one with Chase Griffin. But I think having Griffin in for those two games, a loss against Oregon, and then a, a solid blowout win pretty much over Arizona, really changed the mindset. So when Dorian Thompson Robinson did come back the following week against Arizona State on the road against a preseason top 25 team, they took care of the ball. It was Thompson Robinson had a bad safety trying to throw the ball away but still that's his first game as a Bruin his first start without a turnover that's monumental for him if he can do that and keep the big playability that he showed at flashes on Saturday but certainly against Colorado this offense is dangerous this offense is real and Chip Kelly has been seen as an offensive mastermind as an offensive guru that was more his pre-UCLA days, his, really just his Oregon days, honestly. But if he can kind of recover that halfway or be 80% of the offensive master he used to be, that means good things for UCLA. The other side of the ball, though, we, we all kind of expected Dorian Thompson-Robinson to take a bit of a leap, protect the ball better. We knew Demetric Felton was really good, and before last week when he was a little hobbled he was in the running for Pac-12 offensive player of the year that was all kind of expected though it was projected growth on defense though it's really been a total shift there was a lot there were a lot of rumors towards the end of last season November uh, before the USC game after the USC game 
And then even after the season ended, were reports coming out, leaks about Jerry Azanaro and UCLA and his relationship with Chip Kelly and Kelly saying he needed to keep him around. There's a lot of drama there. He ends up staying around, gets a one-year extension, and I would say no one was happy about that, besides maybe Chip Kelly and Jerry Azanaro. It was not really ideal for the program because Azanaro had just coached the worst pass defense in UCLA history, allowed about 311 passing yards per game in 2019. It's horrendous. Comes back this year, but now he has Brian Norwood as defensive backs coach, passing game coordinator, and he came, he was a co-defensive coordinator at Navy. He was known for running his 4-2-5 for running an aggressive defense, while as an arrow, on the other hand, he would always give receivers a lot of space on the outside. It's very conservative defense. You put the two of them together, and it's seeming to work. It works when that aggression from Norwood shines through. And now UCLA is leading the Pac-12 in tackles for loss and sacks. You have transfers. You have freshmen both making an impact because of the play calling, because of the aggression, because of the blitzes, the hard hitting, the nose for the ball. You got Mitchell Agude. You got Caleb Johnson. You got Quantrez Knight. Kay Madrano. These guys are coming from smaller schools or from high school and they weren't highly touted recruits. They weren't stars at their previous schools, but you put them in this as an arrow Norwood hybrid defense and they become stars. And, and they're, they're all well and good, but I would like to say the reason they can succeed is, is not just because of the play calling and their talent, but it's because UCLA has Osa Adigizua manning the center, uh, defensive tackle, nose tackle. This guy is legit. He is really legit. He, redshirt senior, everyone kind of knew coming into the season that this was his year to establish himself as an NFL player. And, and he was kind of seen as a mid-round pick, a solid veteran, pass rusher, uh, who could kind of play inside and outside on the defensive line. But through five games, he has 26 total tackles, a little more than five per game, six tackles for loss, and four sacks. And a pass deflection, he's all over the field. He's getting quarterback hits. He's getting hurries. He's constantly in the pocket. He's constantly in the backfield. UCLA has a decent amount of talent on its defense. They lost a lot of linebackers in the offseason. They lost Darnay Holmes. But still, they have some good talent at pretty much every level of their defense. The reason it works is because Osa Digizua is a top defensive lineman on the West Coast. You combine that with the aggressive play calling, with the blitzes, with just the running with your head cut off kind of mentality, these guys all over the field. It's a new defense, and that has shifted things for UCLA. So, UCLA is taking better care of the ball. They're still explosive on offense. They have a true anchor on their defensive line, and the play calling has really shifted things towards a blitz-heavy, aggressive mindset. 
All that combined has UCLA sitting at 3-2 going into the Crosstown rivalry against USC. USC is undefeated. They're well on their way to a Pac-12 South championship, conference title, division title, and UCLA stands in their way. It's, all, it's a lot like in 2018. UCLA was playing for nothing. USC having a great season, and then Joshua Kelly comes in and tears them apart. Who knows, maybe it's Demetric Felton this year. Maybe it's Osadizua. Maybe it's Dorian Thompson-Robinson getting revenge for last year. But UCLA is playing for a lot this game. They're not playing for a division title, but they're playing for bowl eligibility. They're playing for a historic rivalry. All, all of that together, you know UCLA is going to be in this game. Even last year, when they were horribly outmatched against Keaton Slovis and the Trojans, still put up over 30 points, kind of slipped away in the end, but at the beginning of the fourth quarter, it was still a contest. That was a real shootout. I think it'll be a shootout again this year, and I'm going to pick UCLA to come out on top 37-34. I know it's an upset, and I, I know it'll be close, but UCLA is hot right now. They're playing for a lot, and they want to beat the Trojans. Thanks, Nick. Back to you. All right, grasshoppers and salamanders, I am back. And do respect the bold prediction from Sam, though. Picking UCLA over USC the way the Trojans looked last week. Respect it. Creative, original, and bold. Really liked it. So what I'm going to do now is just take a general look at the Pac-12 in its totality. And I get that everyone's probably really confused, frustrated. There's obviously been... The competitive balance has been completely thrown off, and to say otherwise is complete crap. I mean, you got games being canceled, last-second switches, and this has been the norm this year. But I don't want to harp on that. I think every team had an opportunity to sh- every team had an opportunity to show up and win the games that they were a part of, and that's the bottom line. If you're on the field, make the plays, regardless of what circumstances, events, whatever led up to it. Your team's on the field, make the plays. No excuses. So for me, I just want to say I had a heck of a lot of fun watching the Pac-12 season, but it's not quite over yet. And while obviously if you're a fan of the North up here in the Pacific Northwest where I am in Seattle, the cancellation of Oregon versus Washington feels like complete crap. It kind of feels like it takes away from the legitimacy of the title, but it doesn't. It's 2020, Oregon won fair and square. Oregon won fair and square, and they may have backed their way into it, I mean, with losses to Oregon State and Cal, but they did win the title. It's not like the Ducks planned an outbreak in UW's, I mean, program. I sure as heck hope not, at least. So they won fair and square, respect it. Ducks are in the Pac-12 championship, and they need to perform better. They they need to perform better. That's all I'm going to say in Oregon this year. We spent... A lot of time talking about the Ducks from top to finish because we all thought they might be in the college football playoff. Obviously, that's not the case. So what we do have this week is two very exciting games in the South. And I am thoroughly excited to watch them. One, because they fit into my schedule. You got the 9 a.m. matchup between Colorado and Utah and the 4.30 matchup between USC and UCLA. Sam's already touched on the Bruins Trojans. So I'm not going to touch on that. One game, though, that I'm 
thoroughly excited to watch is that Colorado-Utah game. You got the 9 o'clock start time, which I don't really know why I said that again, but I wanted to. But looking at the game, I still have not been sold on Colorado. I had them as terrible at the beginning of the year. We knocked them up to bad. I knocked them up to average. And with their victory last week, they finally reached that good plateau. They slowly, they slowly made the climb. I can't say that I'm sold on them, but an undefeated team is an undefeated team, and you have to respect that, and you have to call them good at this juncture of the season. With that being stated, I think the Utes take them out this week, and just really good rivalry game. You have an upstart program in Colorado under Carl Durrell, and with the Utes, you have the historic, maybe not historic, but two-time defending South champions, always extremely well coached under Kyle Whittingham, and I think it's just going to be a very, very fun physical game. If Colorado can match Utah's physicality, Utah did dominate UW for the first half in the matchup in Seattle a couple weeks ago. So up front, Utah has shown that they still have it. And on the defensive line side of the ball, they're going to have someone. Utah always does. And that should just be very interesting to see if the Utah's front seven can hold down Jarek Broussard. And if Sam Noir can maybe make some throws if Broussard is in fact held in check. So for the Utes, Colorado... I'm picking Utah, completely eliminating Colorado from South title contention. And again, that's just going to be a fun game to watch. And one matchup I really, really am looking forward to. And just for Pac-12 Nation out there, someone to watch, maybe his last game in conference, well, obviously his last game in conference, is going to be linebacker Nate Landman. I'll touch on him in a little bit more. And I really want to see him go one-on-one against Colorado upstart running back and Jarek Broussard. And that will be fun. Whenever those two meet, we'll find out who the true alpha is. And I'm guessing it's going to be Nate Landman. That guy is a freaking beast. Excuse me. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down, Nick. Excuse me. Nate Landman is not going to be tackling his own player, Jarek Broussard. Sorry, y'all. got a little ahead of myself there. What I meant to say is that Nate Landman versus Utah's freshman running back, Ty Jordan. That is what we're looking for here. We're going to have Ty Jordan, who's been a complete upstart at a couple hundred yard games this year, versus Nate Landman, who tackles everything, dude. He, this guy tackles everything. It It's thoroughly impressive. It really, really is. I think in terms of the next level, I don't know exactly what to say, how he'll perform there. I'm not sure if he has the speed. But at college, he's an enforcer. And I would say probably the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. So if y'all just like football, if you like watching a good defensive player, if you like a hard-nosed, beastly, bad mother, watch your mouth. <laughs> I always want to say that. Seriously, tune in for Nate Landman. If I made my pick already, I'm going with the Utes over Colorado. I may have said that twice. Got a little bit thrown off because apparently Landman's going to be tackling his own player this week. But seriously, I'm picking the Utes, uh, the Utes over Colorado. And for the average fan out there, maybe good fan, great fan, bad fan, Please tune in and watch Nate Landman. He is one hell of a player, and it's his last game in the pack. Other than that today, guys, I think Sam did a pretty damn good job. Uh, job did a pretty damn good job covering the football today. Do I have anything else for y'all in the football? I don't think so, really. I, I really don't think so. I think again, just watching that UCLA USC game at four thirty should be a lot of fun, and the two South matchups. That's what you got this week. That should be really. Really exciting. 
If you got a little extra time on Friday, maybe get off work a little bit earlier, you got the Territorial Cup in ASU versus Arizona. That obviously is no implications on the line, but should be a fun watch. I mean, it's a rivalry game. We saw what happened in Oregon State versus Oregon last week or two weeks ago. So clearly going to be a fun watch. And yeah, guys, that's it for football coverage today. Let's just enjoy the games. That's really what I wanted to stress this week. Enjoy the games. We can get frustrated. We knew what 2020 was going to entail, but I've had a blast watching the Pac-12 this year. And I'm not just saying that, man. I'm really not saying that. With the exception of the WCU-USC game last Sunday, I've had a blast watching all the games. A lot of crazy comfort victories. A lot of weird plays. A lot of just cool action in general. I mean, last week, Jarek Broussard rushed for 300 yards. Keen Slovis threw for like 700 yards in the first half. That, that's obviously exaggeration. Amon Ross-Sam Brown, four touchdowns in the first quarter. So a lot of cool feats by a lot of kids. And that'll wrap it up. Let's enjoy the last week of Pac-12 action before the championship game. And yes, sir. One thing I did leave out, though, in the introduction, and I can't believe I did this. I cannot believe I did this, peeps. I'm like literally scratching my chin, scratching my beard. I forgot to talk about Bartlett's random topic of the day. So as always, got some randomness, got some flair, got whatever the heck comes to my mind. And this week, I want to talk about my college experience. Both of them. (laughs) Yeah, I went to college twice. So I've been thinking, I've had a Kieran Murphy on a couple weeks ago. He was the Colorado Insider. Great job on the show. And this week, of course, we have Sam Conant on the show from UCLA. And you see these kids doing great things in college. You hear their credentials. And man, that is not what I was doing in college. I am thoroughly impressed with these kids. I mean, they're like, have like 10 different credentials. Like, appearing on like, I have my own show, like, my own radio show. I've been a guest here. I've been a guest there. I've been a guest there. Want to know what I was a guest in in college? Want to know what I spent my time doing? Smoking weed and drinking Modelo's. Day in and day out. Well, maybe not the Modelo's part. Day in and day out. I do value my liver function. But seriously, like, I hear, like, how hard these kids are working. And you hear such, like, bad news because the pandemic. Everyone in the world's, like, freaking, freaking out. And, I mean, I'm not going to say rightfully so because I may have a different belief system. Obviously, the death toll needs to be respected, and I don't mean to poke fun at anyone who's been affected at COVID. I wish nothing but happiness and love for your and health for your family. But if you watch the media, bomb, COVID, you can't hug your family. Man, let's just have some fun today, y'all. Let, let's just have some fun. And that's exactly what I did in college. <laughs> Maybe a little bit too much. I think I've touched on it briefly before. And my first year in college was actually 2009, which may surprise a lot of people, but I went to WSU from 2009 to 2011 before eventually dropping out. Back in those days, I did the whole fraternity route. So I joined, and this is all 100% true, like no BS. Me and three friends joined a fraternity and I will not throw in the name or anything like that, like that, you know. But man, we got messed up, <laughs> had, a, had a lot of fun, parties, all the like, craziness, and really just a good, just a good experience, honestly. I think fraternities may get a rap, and I think that's unfair. There's good people and bad people everywhere, fraternities, non-Greek, whatever it may be. But in our first house, we got messed up, boys. We, we were not playing around. I think every single party I went to, I don't remember. That's not a bragging point, it's just a factual statement. 
We have one party. <laughs> um, I'll tell you about in particular. I guess this is going to the party story route. And it was called... Actually, it has the fraternity's name. I can't say what it's called. It was a tequila-based theme party. And so this young, strapping 18-year-old male decided to chug a tequila bottle for 15 seconds. All I know is I threw up and woke up on a couch the next morning with my shirt off. I think my shirt was off. Don't remember the details. Probably still drunk in the morning. But the weirdest part about it was there are like two um, parallel couches or perpendicular, one couch going vertical, one horizontal. And so there's like a blanket covering me and another person. And I wake up. This isn't where you think it's going, guys. This isn't like some graphic crap. So I wake up and my pledge brother, Gavin, is on the other couch, okay? And so I look over and we both kind of wake up just like, dude, what the hell happened? And he goes, I think someone threw me. I'm like, dude, Gavin, shut up. Like, just shut up. Like, dude, stop. He's like, no, like, I can't move my shoulder. And I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Like, Gavin, stop. Like, you're probably exaggerating. Again, keep in mind, I'm probably still drunk. I seriously chugged a tequila bottle for 15 seconds. It was the night I signed the fraternity. What a great first impression. (laughs) Gotta love being 18. So, um... So <laughs> Gavin though is like, no, like, dude, I cannot move my shoulder. <laughs> like I cannot move my shoulder. So he asked me to put on, like help him put on the Hawaiian shirt. Cause it was a Hawaiian theme party. So help him put on a shirt. And we walked back to his dorm where I may have went to someone on his dorm hall and purchased a medicinal herb that Helps with hangovers. I already said it. I was a stoner in college. So you, you get what I'm getting at. So <laughs> I helped Gavin get back. This whole time I'm thinking he's he's exaggerating. The dude like broke his collarbone. The dude broke his collarbone. So you have me on one couch. You was probably. I'm, I'm making a little bit light out of the situation here. I was probably very close to like passing away from alcohol poisoning. I mean seriously. I chugged a tequila bottle for 15 seconds guys. Like really think about it. Not like some like weak ass chug. Like, I was like. Marking that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? And so you got me, probably should have been dead, but hey, I'm still here. I'm still talking to you right now. You got Gavin who broke his collarbone. And I wake up the next morning after all that happened. I find out that three of my friends got MIPs that night. One kid was arrested for hugging a bus stop. (laughs) I kid you not. (laughs) He was hugging a bus stop, man. I think someone else may have just fallen over when they were walking. <laughs> uh, just looking back, man. <laughs> just uh, fun times. So. <laughs> all, right, all right, I'll collect myself. So w- what a great party. And uh, I-, I talked on this story a little bit longer than I thought. So maybe it will go into my second college stint the next time. But again, from 2009 to 2011, I partied my ass off and me and my three friends actually dropped that original fraternity before we got officially signed. And so that was kind of that. We just have those short-term memories. I was in some frats, but I was never the fratty dude. If y'all have been listening to me a while, you know I'm just like you, but maybe a little different. A little different. I mean, I did like try a confused yell at the start of the show. So I, th- I think that speaks volumes. But what I'm really getting at here, and I'm just trying to give you something fun to think about. I know you're all probably realistically annoyed, stressed out, and frustrated the Pac-12 season. But what I'm getting at here is seriously, 
these college kids are doing great things. You got Sam, you got Karen, and it's just really cool to see because with all the negativity going on in the world, a lot of people probably giving up and believe in yourself, people. You got these kids who are still working their ass off to make something out of themselves, them lives, improve their family situation, and it's very, very cool to see, and I'm grateful to have these kids be a part of my show. I truly am, and for those of you out there who are like, oh, they're students, like, what do they know? Like, cut that shit out, for real. Like, you gotta understand, there is no one more passionate and probably more knowledgeable about their in particular team than a student. That, that's facts. I mean, what else? If you're not partying in college, you're watching your sports team if you're a sports guy. That's what you do. And you're really feeling it because you know that you're going to be out there in a couple of years. So you're at every game, obviously not in 2020. You're watching every game. You're yelling with your friends and you're just having a blast. And the best example I can give is until this day, actually till this very freaking day, if you asked me about the WSU Cougars men's basketball team, I'm your guy. I am your guy. Like, I'll put it this way. On Sunday, the Seahawks are playing the Jets. Everyone in Seattle is watching that. I'm ready for WSU versus Portland State. I've not missed one minute of their game this year. Uh, they barely beat Idaho last night, actually. They're 4-0, baby. <laughs> Besides the point. So anyways, like I'm saying, these students have very valuable, detailed information. And I'm just grateful for it. I mean, I did not know... Three, four, five of the names Sam said on the UCLA Bruins. And very grateful to have them on. And this is not a knock on any of the higher tier guys because I believe that everyone's in their rightful spot. And I'm talking about like the big Pac-12 or SEC big time media members. Some of them may have lost their fire. I'm, and this isn't like me targeting anyone. Just someone may have lost their fire. You've been doing it for 30 years. You've been doing it for 40 years. Starts to feel like a job. You're getting paid. You're getting frustrated. Family's yelling at you. Blah, 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 blah. Llamas. Okay, dude, I don't know why I said llamas. But you see what I'm getting at. We have a bunch of passion and fire and belief and hope and love from the students. And I think I'll leave it at that. I think I will leave it at that. Random tangent today. Random Pac-12 year. And I think if I did some deep detailed analysis like I do in other weeks, it'd just be really kind of fake and faulty. So let the expert do it in Sam. He took care of that in the Bruins-Trojans game, which is probably the biggest match of the week. I touched on Colorado-Utah a little bit, and that's that. Concluding today's episode, baby, thank you again, Sam, for coming on. If you all want to follow him, his Twitter handle is S-A-M-C-O-N-N-O-N. Again, his Twitter handle is at S-A-M-C-O-N-N-O-N. After Sam's segment on UCLA and their potential upset over the Trojans, I touched on the Utah and Colorado matchup where apparently I thought that the Buffs were playing each other because Nate, La- Nate Lemon's going to tackle Jeff Broussard apparently. And after the Utah-Colorado game, I just really had some fun with the show today. And that's what I think we should all do with this last week of Pac-12 action. Obviously, we'll have the conference championship game coming up here in about two, three weeks, something like that. So, y'all, enjoy the games we have have left. Cheer for your respective schools. Have fun. Have a beer. Social distance. Smoke some kush if that's your thing. Do a little dance. Do a little jive. Getting a little random. Having a lot of fun. I'm outro, baby. Thank you for tuning in as always, people. Seriously, I cannot do it without y'all. And 
If you know my tagline, what am I about to say? Cheetos and tuna.